turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Hi, friends. This is Wendy Scott. I want you to know about my personal friend, Mark Romanowski, and his locksmith and fire door inspection business. Mark decided to sponsor Season Watch to share the great joy he's experienced since he gave his life to Jesus. He accepted the Lord later in life and hopes that you won't wait to have the same peace, too. Mark's always saying, hey, man, you just need Jesus, and that's true. So if your commercial building has fire doors, contact Mark's fire door inspection services. He can inspect and certify all your fire doors and help fix the most common problems with fire marshal inspections. Like Jesus helps us pass God's inspection for heaven. You can find Mark's services and contact info at San Diego Fire Door Inspection.com. That's San Diego Fire Door Inspection.com. Thank you and God bless. Welcome to Season Watch with Wendy Scott, where we observe the things coming on the earth through biblical binoculars because the Bible is both timely and timeless. With her master's degree in rhetoric and writing skills, Wendy is a part-time college professor, but a full-time truth professor. She believes the Word of God is His perfect revelation, including a young earth six-day creation, as well as the global flood inundation, and that Israel is God's chosen nation. Faith alone in Jesus is salvation, the true church rapture, comes pre-tribulation, followed by Christ's millennial domination and His eternal kingdom with Earth's regeneration. Jesus is coming without hesitation. And now, here's Wendy with today's topic. Hello, friends. Thank you for joining me again with Season Watch. I'm Wendy Scott, and let's just start in prayer. Lord, we just uh, we just pray for these perilous times right now that you watch over those who trust you, that you turn all things to good for those who follow you, and we pray for opportunities to shine uh, your light into the hearts of those around us. God, there's so much darkness, and we pray you watch over us and that you guide us with your right hand, Lord, that you lead us um, into your wise counsel through these perilous times. Help us to help others and to trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, I confess to you that I'm so angry and incensed right now, I can hardly think straight. We've talked before about how the Bible warns in the last days that there will be chaos and uprisings and lawlessness and justice, rampant bloodshed, calling evil good and good evil, and that the love of, of many would grow cold in the last days. And Jesus called it like the days of Noah and like the days of Lot that would be filled with perversion and violence and evil thoughts continually, like the gates of hell have released wicked demons to inhabit humans on the earth. And if you can't see the spiritual darkness swallowing up the world, then your eyes are not open. You're not keeping watch, as Jesus warned us. But the last weekend, uh, as I watched, as I'm sure all of you watched, the world literally descended into chaos. As hundreds of thousands of people, probably millions around the world, mobbed together to call for Israel to be wiped off the map with a genocidal chant, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. And this is probably already happening again as we speak this weekend. And now you should know this is a sign of the end days and the fulfillment of many prophecies that the Bible uh, declares, that the world would come against uh, one of the smallest nations on earth, Israel. And this challenge, this, this eating up of the nation is demonic. 
And so here we are seeing these things come to pass, just as the Bible said. Now, I would expect the most radical nations on the planet to hold these vile demonstrations of wickedness. Iran, Syria, Tunisia, Yemen, Libya, other parts, Russia, all these places. We'd expect that. Uh, They harbor anti-Israeli terrorists, so we're not surprised. But these are not the only nations caught up in the ninth century zombie fanaticism of barbaric tyranny. And no, the most disturbing of these cultist demonstrations were supposedly civilized Western nations, members of the UN who profess to love freedom, democracy, and equality, and to pledge to protect oppressed nations, people groups, and individuals around the world. Nations pledge to stand together against genocide according to the UN's 1948 Genocide Convention Agreement. Nations like Italy, France, England, Australia, Sweden, Ireland, Germany, more nations than can be listed around the world, all mobbing the cities by hundreds of thousands, all telling Israel to roll over and die. And these nations tolerated it. Our own nation hosted such shameful demonstrations all over New York City, Chicago, Atlanta, Denver, D.C., even in San Diego. Across the nation, these self-righteous mobs sided with murderers and demanded that Israel let Hamas drive them from the river to the sea off of their own land. There was even an angry anti-Israel mob in Brooklyn, the most Jewish city outside of Israel. How did the city ever let them have that permit to demonstrate? And why did they tolerate tolerate the genocidal language that they spoke? Is it free speech? Calls for genocide and incitement to violence are not protected speech. You certainly don't get permits for it. They might as well have permitted a KKK mob to call for lynchings in Memphis or Chicago or Atlanta. I mean, my, how the liberal left loves free speech when it targets those they despise, when it fits their agenda. All liberal, radical, anti-God universities have shown a fine display of supporting free speech now in these past few weeks. These are the rabid, the same rabid speech police who profess to be so tolerant of oppressed people that you can't use the wrong pronoun without getting fired or doxxed or expelled because they claim that words are triggers and microaggressions, which means you didn't actually say anything wrong, but it was wrong. Such speech violations are considered by this liberal left as violence, just speech. And yet these hyper-liberal universities with faculty leading the way are actually chanting with these vicious, threatening mobs, Muslim mobs standing in solidarity with Palestinians who elected the murderous Hamas terrorist group as their government. These universities, so-called beacons of tolerance and of enlightenment, calling for a ceasefire in Israel and accusing Israel of violating human rights. Israel, who drops leaflets to warm citizens and open corridors of safe passage, who abide by all the rules of war, yet no one sanctions Hamas for putting their war infrastructure under hospitals and schools in city centers. And they do this because they know that Israel will avoid striking them to save civilian casualties. This Hamas, who drops 25% or more of its rockets on its own people by accident and then blames Israel to incite riots. That's who these universities are standing with, vicious and vile, against Israel. They now love free speech so much that protesters are permitted to peacefully track down Jews, harass, corner, attack, and intimidate them. But it's just speech. Don't forget that. 
you hypocrites are siding with those who want the genocide of Jews. That's what their slogan is. From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. It's a call for the genocide of the Jews, which is a very old and familiar theme among the elitist ranks of the civilized world. Thank you for revealing your true colors. Admit it, you hate Jews. More idiotically, these mindless liberal Jews, Jews, are also protesting against Israel. Are you kidding me? They shut down Grand Central Station, chanting, not in our name. Well, it's not in your name. You don't live in Israel. It's for their survival. If you want to let people who hate you kill you, that's your business. Let Israel defend itself. How stupid can liberal Jews be? These Jew haters aren't playing around. They really want to kill you. They don't think you're worth anything. They already have your voting block, and you're too stupid to stop supporting them. You need to wake up. Stop carrying their Nazi signs and protesting against your brothers and sisters or fighting for the survival of Jews everywhere. Like you're some noble progressives that don't mind quietly rolling over and dying for them. Oh, don't worry. We're not like those Jews. You can kill us. We're okay with that. You need to wake up. Jews who don't know their history are destined to repeat it. Trust me, liberals are not your friend. Stop carrying those Nazi signs for them. You succeed in only pinning the star back on yourselves so they can come and find you. You need to side with truth. You need to side with God's word, and you need to support your brothers and sisters just as we do. The worst Jew haters of all, and when I, when I heard about this, are Christians siding with the people of the terrorists and accuse Israel, God's chosen people, as we all know, of being the aggressors. This will certainly not inspire Jews to follow Jesus when you side with their persecutors and you prove them to be right to reject him, to reject Jesus. Christians like this are no better than the Nazis and the hatred of the Jews and even claiming to replace them in God's promises. I'll tell you, this put me over the top after weeks of seeing and hearing descriptions of Hamas brutality, learning about the horrific atrocities recorded on terrorist body cams of all things. They were so proud of them. They recorded these terrible, horrible atrocities. And then hearing all the stories of these 1,400-plus um, victims who were slaughtered in the most unimaginable, tortured, long, terrible, unimaginable hours. After hearing about all these things, how these, what these innocent people endured, it is beyond bearable. If you don't know them, you should hear about them. I'm not going to go into their stories here. But for me, in the midst of processing all these horrors, I heard something on the radio that makes me so angry I can hardly stand it. I heard a Bible-believing, Christ-professing radio host proudly condemn Israel and argue that Christians, in the name of God no less, should support the attackers, Palestinian backers, over the innocent Israeli victims, claiming that literally— this is not the same Israel of the Bible. That's what this host says. They are evil people and must be condemned for their human rights violations against the people of Palestine. A Christian advocated this. In this anti-Zionist condemnation of Israel, I cannot stand silent. Such an accusation effectively advocates for Israel to be wiped off the map and to just roll over and die. I guarantee that these good Christian people claim they were against the Holocaust. They were for defeating the Nazis, even though, of course, that would mean some casualties of civilian life. 
But here, Israel is expected to actually live with and tolerate a situation where those who hate them and want to kill them are so near to them that all these demons have to do is stay awake at night waiting for the opportunity to again inflict further barbaric atrocities against them. That is the basis of Hamas's charter, by the way, to wipe Israel off the map. And the Palestinians voted for this as their government, and they support them. That's what we're talking about. And, of course, I expect the godless world to attack Israel. The Bible said that it would. But when Christians twist the Bible and use God's name in vain, speak for God, and and speak for God in this manner to to promote this idea that we replace Israel, that the church replaces Israel for the promises, and then attack Israel and suggest it would it should willingly martyr itself for the good of the world. I tell you, that is too far. It should be clear where Christians should stand if you just know the Bible. And so it's time to educate believers. So friends, fasten your truth belts as we remember God's prophecies and promises to his covenant people, Israel. First of all, it's important to understand that there are no ethnic Palestinian people. There's no ethnic Palestinian people. After the Romans destroyed Jerusalem and took the Jews as slaves, Hadrian renamed the land after their historic enemy, the Philistines, to spite the people of Israel and erase their name from the land. Although many ancient records confirm that all these other nations prior to that show they'd always called it Israel. So we must know our history. It doesn't allow for such foolishness. Many centuries later, after cycles of Jewish persecution, the Nazi Holocaust murdered 6 million Jews until Germany's defeat finally ended the genocide. Then the United Nations formed with a specific charter to, quote, promote freedom, to practice tolerance, to live together in peace with one another as good neighbors, to unite our strength to maintain international peace and security. And in the wake of the genocide of the Jews, the U.N. decided for the safety of the Jewish people that they should be allowed to establish their homeland back in Palestine as the land of Israel had continued to be called because it was understood to be the national origins of the Jewish people. Israel was declared a state in May 14, 1948, under this um, allowance, under this permission. And it was in the territory of their ancestry, which had been of late under British control. And then the next day, all the Arab nations surrounding it attacked and tried to wipe Israel off the map as they continued to pledge. Such a reaction of hatred actually spawned the UN to pass later that year the Genocide Convention of 1948, which stands today. It's an international treaty that criminalizes genocide and obligates state parties to pursue the enforcement of its prohibition, whether nations, groups, or individuals who practice and advocate for any form of genocide. The concept of a Palestinian people group did not arise until 1964 with the formation of the Palestinian Liberation Organization, which held the stated goal of establishing an Arab state over the territory of Israel. They never accepted Israel. After the failure of the 67 war, Yasser Arafat, an Egyptian who was not pleased with the defeat of his nation, became the head of the PLO in 1969. He's an Egyptian, and he became the head of the Palestinian. You get it? You see what's going on here? 
There never was a Palestinian state prior to the establishment of Israel. And in fact, most of the Arabs came to live in Israel after Jews started buying the unwanted tracts of land there, like swamps and deserts, at very high prices and began to tame the land to produce crops, uh, particularly in the early 1900s. And so the land never was a nation and never had an ethnic Palestinian people. It was conquered and controlled about over the course of 2,000 years by changing empires until it was conceded by the Ottoman Empire into British hands at the end of World War I, who took the responsibility, the mandate, to go ahead and let Israel have its land back after we allowed the world to slaughter them. So the concept of an ethnic Palestinian uh, is as real as the concept of ethnic Americans. It's not. And so this brief outline of the history of the land can help us educate both secular people and Christians concerning the supposed land of Palestine. But if you call yourself a Bible-believing Christian, you will want to know what God's enduring promises to Israel are so you don't find yourself advocating against God. And so there are several unchanging promises that God gave to Israel. Let's just begin looking at them. Genesis 13, 15. For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. Jeremiah thirty-one twenty-three. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, they shall again use this speech in the land of Judah and in its cities when I bring back their captivity. The Lord bless you, O home of justice, mountain of holiness. And there shall dwell in Judah itself and in its cities together farmers and all those who go out with flocks. For I have satiated the weary soul. I have replenished every sorrowful soul. And it shall come to pass that as I've watched over them to pluck them up, to break them down, to throw them down, to destroy and to afflict them, so I will watch over them to build and to plant, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord who gives the sun for light by day, the ordinances of the moon, the stars by night, as a light by night, who disturbs the sea and the waves roar, the Lord of hosts is his name. If those ordinances depart from before me, the sun, the moon, the stars, says the Lord, then the seed of Israel shall also cease from being a nation before me. Forever, It's never going to happen. They shall be a nation. Verse 40, And though the whole valley of the dead bodies of the ashes and all the fields as far as the brook Kidron, the corner of the horse gate towards the east, shall be holy to the Lord. It shall not be plucked up or thrown down anymore forever. Look at how specific they are. The geography, the names, Israel, very specific. It's not, it's not, it's not a colloquialism, all right? It's not... Uh, symbolic. It's actual to the land, to the geography, to the people. Moreover, God has kept his promise to bring them back into the land in the latter years. So we see Ezekiel 36, 3, therefore prophesy and say, says the Lord God, because they made you desolate and swallowed you up on every side so that you became the possession of the rest of the nations and you are taken up by the lips of talkers and slandered by people. Therefore, says the Lord God, I have raised my hand in an oath that surely the nations that are around you shall bear their own shame. But you, O mountains of Israel, you shall shoot forth your branches and yield your fruit to my people Israel, for they are about to come. That's the promise. I will multiply men upon you, all the house of Israel, all of it, and the cities shall be inhabited and the ruins rebuilt. 
Verse 15, nor will I let you hear the taunts of the nations anymore, nor bear the reproach of the peoples anymore, nor shall you cause your nation to stumble anymore, says the Lord God. Verse 24, for I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all countries, and bring you into your own land. Ezekiel thirty-seven twenty-five, and they shall dwell in the land that I have given to Jacob, my servant, where your fathers dwelt. This is very specific. And they shall dwell there, they, their children and their children's children forever. And my servant David shall be their prince forever. That's Jesus in the millennial reign. Ezekiel 38, 8, after many days you will be visited. In the latter years you will come into the land of those brought back from the sword, gathered from many people on the mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate. They were brought out of the nations, and now all of them dwell safely. Verse 11, you will say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages. I will go to a peaceful people who dwell in safely, all of them dwelling without walls, having no bars or gates, and to take plunder, to take booty, to stretch out your hand against the waste places inhabited and against the people gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock goods who dwell in the midst of the land. You will come up against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land. It will be in the latter days that I will bring you against my land so that the nations may know me when I'm hollowed in you before their eyes. So we see it's a direct promise that Israel in the latter days will be back in the land. We know this is true because Jesus prophesied that they will be in the land and that they will have a temple when the rapture happens, and when the tribulation happens. So it's so clear, it's unmistakable. Israel indeed has become a burdensome stone for the whole world, as we saw last time in Zechariah 12. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling, and all around about them they shall lay siege both against Judah and against Jerusalem. And in that day I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people, All that burden themselves with it shall be cut to pieces, though all the people of the earth be gathered against it. Sound familiar? And the Christians must understand that God will judge us by how we treat his chosen people. It says in verse 8, In that day the Lord shall defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. Zechariah 14.2, for I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, the houses will be rifled, the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the dew of the people shall not be cut off. Then the Lord shall go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. So he's going to fight for Israel. He's going to fight for Jerusalem in the latter days. They have to be in the land. It's unmistakable. God's ultimate plan is to honor Israel and make them the focus of his millennial reign. And we'll see that in Zechariah 8, chapter 13, it says that the house of Judah and Israel will be saved and it will be a blessing. And then it says in uh, verse 23, Zechariah 8, 23, Thus says the Lord of hosts, In those days it shall come to pass that ten men shall take a hold of all the languages of the nations, even shall take a hold of the skirt of one that is a Jew, and will go and say, I will go with you, for we have heard the Lord is with you. This is a promise for the millennial reign. 
And so these verses and many, many more reveal the truth that God has not discarded Israel. He is a just God with an eternal plan. And we know that we know that Israel today is the Israel of the Bible, and the prophecies prove it. God did not replace the promises of Israel with the church. Prophecy proves it. God said that Israel would not cease to be a nation before him. And it says that Paul, Paul in Romans uh, chapter 11, verse 25, says that they were blinded so we could be grafted in. And that uh, he says that I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion. That blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Just as Jesus said, and so all Israel will be saved for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Jesus said that Israel will be back in the land and one day welcome him. Luke 13, 34. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her broods under her the wing. But you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. And surely I say to you, you shall not see me until the time when you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But that day will come, and that day is coming, and we must be aware. The nations that gather against Israel and those who who put them to shame will be judged. There are so many more scriptures, and it is so clear that we must support Israel. It doesn't matter if they're perfect people. It matters that God loves them and has a plan for them, and those who bless Israel will be blessed. So we want to pray for the peace of Jerusalem and stand with them and pray that God reveals the truth, draws them to himself again, and develops a strong relationship so they receive Yeshua as they are. They're starting to receive him. And that's the prayer that God uses this to bring them back to his son. And it will happen. And so until next time, I pray you take these things to heart and stand for Israel. Until then, God bless you all. Join Wendy Scott every Saturday at 3 p.m. on K-Praise for another episode of Season Watch. Previous episodes can be found through the K-Praise podcast platform, where you can also access Wendy's other platforms and contact links. Please email Wendy with show comments, questions, or suggestions at wscott at mywordsforhim.com or visit her website at mywordsforhim.com for additional resources. Watch other teachings on her Rumble channel. Wendy's Words for Him, her fiction novel, The Lost, A Story of Christmas, can be found on Amazon. Until next week, watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man.